your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so maybe that was a little presumptuous. For me to just say Nevada's getting a new stadium, maybe. I don't know. We're watching the bouncing ball, and uh, here we are with another episode of Locked on A's. I'm Wayne Coy, your host, an A's fan since I knew what a baseball was, longtime media dude, and we're joined today by another longtime media dude, which is great. It's raining longtime media dudes. Michael Schaus is with us, and uh, Michael is not only a uh, Las Vegas resident, uh, but he's somebody who's been following this whole bouncing ball with the A's and the stadium uh, from jump. And you've written, uh, Michael, a, a really good piece for the Nevada Independent. Would you give us the headline again? Because that's what sucked me straight in. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, we, the, we've got everything going on with the A's. And I think I said something to the effect of uh, the stadium's going to be a slow motion nightmare that's unfolding before us. And it's, you know, everybody wants it to be the field of dreams, but it is going to be a nightmare, especially for Las Vegas uh, residents and and taxpayers. And if you're an A's fan, I feel bad for you right now because it's going to be rough. I saw the headline. I was like, this is the either the coolest monster movie ever, or this is an article I have to read. So I, <laughs> I went with the latter. Uh, Michael, your perspective is pretty, pretty unique because unlike a lot of the people that, myself included, that have uh, have been able to express their opinion here on this podcast. We come from a long history of being A's fans. You don't. So give us, well, first of all, what's your background? Yeah, I, to your point, I'm not a longtime A's fan. I actually grew up in Colorado, so I had to like the Rockies even when they weren't doing very well. And, yeah. and over the years, you know, I got more and more into baseball and I got more and more into sports, but my main history is in radio and in writing, uh, mostly opinion columns, although I was a news reporter for a while. And eventually I got into politics and then I got into public policy and doing public policy. I started working in public affairs, public relations, branding, communication, things like that for mostly think tanks. And that's what brought me out here to Vegas. So for the last eight years, I've been out here in Vegas and boy, I noticed that we just keep on stealing uh, stealing teams from Oakland and we're using yeah. our tax dollars to do it, apparently. Right, which is the key, I think, of this whole conversation. You've uh, you've got the perspective, or at least it, it read like you had the perspective that you're thinking kind of like, how does this even happen because the numbers don't jive and there's a lot of pieces that are involved here that sort of don't make any sense or they conflict with one another. So breaking that down, let's start with money and projected costs. So there, I think they said when they were in front of the legislators, didn't they, Michael, that it was a one point five billion was what they were estimating the the place to cost? Yeah, yeah, they're they're expecting it to cost about one point five billion. Um, originally, they were asking for about half a billion dollars from the state, and and you know, the, backing up for a second, my public policy position is is one that. When you're talking about publicly subsidized stadiums, you're getting into a whole world of potential hurt. Um, this is something, whether you're in Tennessee, Las Vegas, uh, Oakland, if you're throwing tax dollars at a private football or baseball stadium, 
it's going to be a problem, um, no matter really what the numbers are. And, and I'm not alone. You've got libertarians, you've got conservatives, you've got progressives, you've got people on the far left, people on the far right. It seems to be kind of a, as far as economists go, a consensus that it's going to be a worrisome trend. Once we started getting details, it seemed even worse, honestly. And, and the math just did not seem to line up when the A's were talking about how much they expect the whole thing to cost and what they wanted the state to actually put forward. Right. So 1.5 billion of which they were asking for half a billion, right? Originally, yeah. Originally, they had to drop that down twice. And then then supposedly the rest is coming from John Fisher, who uh, last I checked was on Major League Baseball welfare because he's, uh, you know, crying the blues, saying he's not making any money. So I'm not quite sure. And I've checked the gap stock. So that's not good. So I'm wondering, where's the money coming from? And is it going to pencil out at $1.5 billion when they kept making these uh, comparisons to Allegiant Stadium, which was, I think you and I were talking, when did that start? Um, 2019, I think. 2018 is when I think it was approved. Um, And that was, at the time, that was a massive, huge subsidy. $750 million is what they got. And with Mark Davies and, and even Goldman Sachs and a couple of big names involved, they still had trouble putting together the financing for all that. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to your point, Fisher has been crying poverty for a while in, in major league baseball. And this is the number one big flag from the beginning. We never had him put forward a plan on how he's going to finance his share of, of the capital here. So we still don't actually know how he plans to raise the money needed to build a $1.5 billion stadium. And that in normal, in the normal world, that would worry people that are about to partner with somebody if he cannot yeah. explain how he's going to get all that money. So it's a strange situation, and it feels like it's being thrown together before anything's really actually put in stone. Right, and those costs, there's no way that they're at today's prices, you know, compared to Allegiant, if you're going to use that comparison, which they kept uh, doing over and over for lots of reasons. But I mean, just from a dollars and cents point of view, how are you going to compare... 2017, 18, whatever it was, dollars to 2023 with inflation being what it is, you're going to build that because it's got to be at least that level of a stadium to make an impact. It's Las Vegas. This is showbiz central here. So, yeah, I mean, you would think so. We've got, you know, even if you look at the fully privately funded venues on the strip, uh, you know, none of them are cheap. Um, I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but it's they get very expensive very quick and it can be kind of a developer's nightmare. Um, I, I forget exactly how long MGM's T-Mobile Arena took to build, but that's a relatively small arena and that still took quite a while and it cost them a ton of money. Now, they've made their money back and they didn't use any tax dollars to do that, but uh, it's it's something that should worry you. I mean, Allegiant Stadium, if that was built today, would undoubtedly be more uh, simply because, as you point out, inflation over the last you know four, five, sure. six years, right? And and Foley carried most of those costs himself, right? Yeah, I mean, it his was group. seven. Yeah, I mean, seven hundred and fifty million dollars of taxpayer subsidies went into that one, but there was still obviously a lot of overrun in his in his cost. Oh no, I'm talking about I'm talking about T-Mobile. And, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, T-Mobile. Yeah. yeah, the the Golden Knights. You're exactly right. Foley covered that himself. Um, MGM was kind of a partner, obviously, in, in getting everything going there. But that's kind of, to me, that's proof that you don't need the subsidies in order to bring a team of any sort here. I mean, we've got a championship hockey 
team in Las Vegas, which is something I never would have actually said seriously, you know, seven, 10 years ago. Sure. But, um, but I mean, all that happened and that happened at least when it's their money. If it doesn't work, they're the ones who are missing out on it. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of missing out, I'm so glad you brought that out uh, because we don't want you, Michael, or anybody that's watching the podcast to miss out on what's happening with FanDuel right now. Yes, that was the segue. So right now, uh, FanDuel, all about the NFL. Did you watch last night's Monday night game? Um, I unfortunately couldn't. I got some of it, though. And uh, it's. Uh... Oh, no, you, you were fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're looking at it from a Raider fan's perspective, that was a nightmare. Anyway, if you're a new customer, hey, you can bet against your squad. It's okay. $150 in bonus bets. Uh, all you have to do is uh, have a winning $5 money line bet. You do that, then you get $150. If your team wins, you can bet the spreads, you can bet the overs, the unders, the, the player props, which get really crazy. So do that. Have some fun with football. If you're going to watch it anyway, you know, you might as well have a good time and get into the action. You can do that at FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel. They are indeed an official partner of the National Football League, you know, where the Raiders sort of pretend to play it, I guess. Yeah. Hey, if the Raiders are going to be losing, you might as well be betting. Yeah, you know, exactly. You win. Yeah. Now, coming from Colorado, you're probably a Bronco fan, is my guess, though, right? Yeah. By law, I think I had to dislike the Raiders. Um, it you was did, just, yeah. You know, yeah. It was just the cultural law. When I heard that we were getting the Raiders were coming to Las Vegas, I was like, well, of course, this is just going to create drama in my personal life now. Sure. But hey, uh, that all being said, uh, the stadium is here. The Raiders are here. Even if the stands are filled with people who, who are fans of the other team, uh, that's going on and that exists. Now, what happened during those hearings, if you recall, is they kept trying to draw the parallel to that and football and Allegiant Stadium and what was going on with the Raiders to what would be happening in Major League Baseball. So let's just start with the number of games, right, Michael? I mean, it's not a fair comparison is what I'm saying. Do you agree or disagree? I absolutely agree. It's not, it's, the two sports are very are very different anyway because people enjoy them differently. Um, but then on top of that, you know, look at the way that the A's have been managed. That's going to raise some question marks. You know, are they really in their projections? They were expecting to sell out every single home game. I don't think. I mean, if anybody's been to an A's game recently, you might have a question mark over your head saying, "Could they really do that?" Even if it is mostly packed with the other team's fans. Um, so that was that was a big question, but there's also big questions when it comes to, you know, if Elysian Stadium is so successful, and I I want to say up front, it has been a very profitable uh, stadium. Sure. But that kind of raises the question, why do we have to throw taxpayer dollars at it? Uh, you would think you'd have private investors lining up to fund everything themselves. And that's, I think, part of the reason why a lot of Vegas residents are kind of scratching their head here, because they go... So we're going to hand out taxpayer dollars for something you guys say is going to be a huge success. Why is that needed? Why can't you pay for it yourself then? Exactly. I mean, it's right. it's a trend that happens a lot in Vegas and not just with sports teams, unfortunately. Hey, so what do you think of the uh, the renderings of the new stadium the, the you know that are showing you exactly what it's going to look like there on 9 acres? Do, does don't they look great? Yeah, those those renderings that what did the team the team had a word for it? I think it was obsolete. Uh, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As soon as wad as them up, the they said. Was passed. Yeah. yeah. As soon as the deal passed the legislature, they said, "Oh, all those pretty pictures we showed you, never mind. We're going to have to start from scratch." 
Michael, somebody said that I was being extreme when I said that it was uh, propaganda at its best. But if you're using an illustration over and over and over again to make your point and to swing a vote in your direction, which then opens up the coffers for that amount of money, and then you come back afterwards and say, oh, by the way, everything that we used, that we played you with to get that, wasn't real to begin with. It didn't exist. Never was really gonna exist. Not on nine acres for sure. Um, don't you think that's exactly the textbook definition of propaganda? Really? I mean, I, I was gonna say I think most of what they have said has been propaganda. From the very beginning, they were talking about how they had a binding agreements with the Rio uh property. And then all of a sudden it was a couple of weeks later, oh never mind. Forget that binding agreement. Now we've got a different right. binding agreement with Tropicana. And it's been their entire process through the legislative session was just jumping from one promise to another. And we kept on finding out that the previous promises weren't quite real or weren't quite set in stone. And as it turns out now, well past the legislative session, as they're actually getting ready to move everything forward, we're still seeing that. They're still using renderings uh, that that they've already said are obsolete. Clearly, they're doing they're, they're doing and saying a lot of things to get people excited, even though they don't have any intention of actually doing it that way. Right, which leads us to, well, a couple of things. We'll start with the... Uh, the owner's vote that's coming up in a bit. Oh, and by the way, when you said the Rio site, I know you meant the Wild Wild West site. Because, oh, correct. correct. Right, because For a little the while there, they were talking about the Rio as well. but that was Which would have made the most sense of all, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. If you're going to put it anywhere, the Rio saying you can have this for a dollar. And Absolutely. by the way, it's all the acreage you could ever want and then some. And, and they weren't interested in that. And then the Wild Wild West, uh, we're going to talk about the unions here in a minute. So we'll come back to that. But I just want to know with the owner's meetings coming up, in a couple of weeks, um, and they say, according to Commissioner Manfred, he's expecting a vote in Arlington. How do you vote if you haven't even seen it yet? And apparently, they've been shut down until after the World Series, so we're going to have to wait probably at least another week, and then the pretty pictures will fly, and then is that enough time to really wrap your head around it and try to say, is this even realistic? Yeah, I mean, I really wish I understood the internal politics of Major League Baseball better because um, I would love to have some answers there. Uh, it's, you know, the only thing I can think of is either either Fisher feels so confident in his pitch that he feels like he doesn't need to have pictures um, or there's some internal politics at play there where he, for some reason, feels like he has sw uh, swooned enough of the other owners that he can get one. Um, but, it, but you're absolutely right that it's a big question in the real world. You don't go and say, Hey, let me do this. Oh, what's it going to look like? I don't know. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Well, some, some are thinking that maybe that's a bit of uh, a strategy that you wait until the very end. Cause if you remember, we didn't hear anything about the stadium in this legislation, um, in front of the legislators until the very end of the session. And then Lombardo called a special session after that. So everything was so last minute that in a way it almost worked in the A's favor. So I'm wondering if there's a bit of strategy involved with that. Like, well, let's wait so they don't have a whole lot of time to think about it. Yeah, and it very well could be. I mean, I know that that was done purposefully uh, during the legislative session because oh. honestly, this wasn't the only uh, big deal that that waited until the very last minute. There were other political issues that waited until the last minute. And it was intentional because when it's rushed right there at the end, it's much easier to get people to say yes to those promises because they don't have time to really vet it. 
Uh, so it's completely possible that he's waiting to show something to the Major League Baseball folks until he can say, hey, what exactly do you want? What can I what can I promise that will get this over the finish line, so to speak? Yeah, because they're kind of looking at their watches and their butts are itching and they just want to get up and go. They've been in session since the beginning of the year or whatever. Now it's May and you're like, I'm done. Kids are at home. I need to go. What is this thing? Oh, yeah, that's pretty. Okay, MGM Grand. I see it there. All right. Yeah, stamp. Let's go. That's yep. how it felt to me watching that. I, I just like was where's where's the argument that makes any sense whatsoever? Where are the details? Or as uh, Clara Peller once said, where's the beef? Right? Right. Right. So Steve, Steve Hill, let's talk about him, Michael. Um, conflict of interest seems like there's a huge one there and the checks and balances uh, don't exist, that the hens are uh, being washed by the wolf in the hen house. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you, you say checks and balances, and I kind of laugh because there just simply aren't any. Uh, Steve Hill is basically in charge of everything. He's kind of the king of this entire project right now. Uh, he is head of or chairman of the Stadium Authority Board, which is the group, the organization that's really going to be spearheading the building of the stadium and taking care of all the finer details like the lease agreements and everything else, which the lease agreement should be easy because it basically says, hey, nobody has to pay us rent. Um but he's also in charge of the Las Vegas Visitors and Convention Authority, which right. is supposed to be a public entity that's kind of watching out for the public. In reality, they their sole purpose is to increase tourism along the Strip. So clearly he has an interest here uh, to say yes to anything that the Stadium Authority wants. And he's in charge of both of them. On top of that, he was also one of the primary lobbyists during the legislative session pushing for this deal in the first place. So it's really like you're getting a known A's cheerleader to set up and supposedly watch over the entire deal. Since the beginning, he's basically been just saying whatever the A's wants. And he's not the only one. You see the entire culture there, the entire stadium authority board, everybody that's involved when it comes to analysts or consultants, they all have this incestuous relationship with the A's, with the governor's office of economic development, with the uh, Las Vegas Convention Authority. They're all in league with each other. It's a, definitely a good old boys club feel. Who's going to hold their feet to the fire? I mean, it, is there anybody other than, and maybe I already know the answer to this, but it seems to me that something or someones need to be in place to be able to say, exactly what we're both saying, which is something ain't right here. This needs to be addressed, first of all, and then assessed, second of all. And then if you decide, okay, you've put enough barriers in there, there are some some guardrails, we know that you can proceed and uh, not you know, fall into the temptation of just allowing your buddies to do whatever they want. You, you know what I mean? Like somebody should be able to blow a whistle and say, time out on the field, let's take a look at this. Doesn't seem to me like there's any chance of that happening at this point. No, there's there's really not. And keep in mind, these these people who are on these boards, you know, not all of them are elected officials. I mean, Steve Hill's not elected by anybody. He's appointed. Uh, so it's not like you can vote him out, for example, if, if you as the general public don't like it. Uh, there's also there's been no attempt whatsoever to put skeptics on some of these boards. You would if you were really trying to act in the public interest, I mean, forget looking at this from a baseball standpoint for for a second and just look at it as from a government, good government perspective, you would want somebody on that stadium authority board who is at least skeptical, who's going to sit there and say, is this the best way we can move forward? You know, can we move forward a way that saves us more money or maybe 
uh, gives us a better profit deal with uh, with the A's moving down down the line. None of that exists. It's literally at this point, whatever the A's want, they're probably going to get from the stadium authority. Well, I was just going to say there might be uh, one opportunity for someone to have a say, and that someone would be the the voters of the state of Nevada. And here comes schools over stadiums and that pack, which almost got made fun of. You know, I, I remember right. reading and we talked about this yesterday. Oh, well, that you know, they don't mean anything. That's dead on arrival. The teachers union doesn't even support them. And all of a sudden now you've got the commissioner of baseball saying, listen, if there's any activity with this referendum that uh, ends up moving on, then that could be something that we have to think about. So yeah, it's so at least pause, right? Yeah. So following the legislative session, this group um, spearheaded by one of the teachers unions here, at least they were very supportive of it. Uh, they decided to go out and put a referendum that basically says, hey, if enough people vote on this referendum, we have to reassess whether or not we're going forward with the stadium. And to your point, initially, it was kind of laughed at. Well, then the A's and everybody that's supportive of the A's ended up suing to get that referendum kicked off the ballot. And now it's sitting in front of the courts. So we're not sure whether or not it's actually going to move forward. And yeah, Major League Baseball has said, look, if that moves forward, that could be a worry. That could, you know, should we really go forward with a relocation if we don't even know whether or not this publicly subsidized stadium is going to have an opportunity to exist? So that's right. kind of the one wrinkle I think that the A's are facing right now. And if it wasn't for that, it'd pretty much be, I, in my opinion, it would pretty much be, be green light moving forward. Mm -hmm. You call it a wrinkle. I call it eternal hope. Right. right. There's <laughs> an know? opportunity there. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't hide it. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not a journalist. I'm a, I'm an A's fan lifetime who lived for most of his life in the Bay area, grew up with that team and now lives in Las Vegas. You'd think I'd be jumping for joy that my team <laughs> might be coming here, but there's so much going on that I just think isn't right. I have, I, there's not a part of me yet. And I don't know if it'll ever be that way. That's going, you know, Hey, this is awesome. I can go down the street and, you know, I can see my football team play eight times, nine times a year. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not super excited about my Oakland Raiders playing in Las Vegas either. So it is what it is. And I, I do agree with you that if there is a, uh, a chance that this may go the other way, it resides there, but I want to see if I'm clear on the timeline because, um, the schools over stadiums are being sued and that lawsuit apparently is being heard next week, like the 6th of yeah. November. Yeah, right? I believe so. Um, it's, it's coming up quick. And you know, the, the sad thing about the court system is you never know exactly how quickly that program is going to work. You know, they, the judge might come out, Hey, here's the ruling done, finished before the uh, major league baseball folks actually meet, or there could be another wrinkle in the lawsuit. Uh, there could be another appeal or something like that. So you're never exactly sure, sure when that's going to end. Okay. Well, so, but either way, Michael, let's say, let's say there is a delay. They don't, they haven't ruled yet. If you're a major league baseball owner, how can you, again, forget you don't have renderings, forget you don't have an architecture plan, forget you don't have an updated budget that takes into consideration all of the differences between Allegiant Stadium's construction costs, which you based all this on, and where you are right now with inflation, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. There's so much unknown. How can you, with a clear conscience, say, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Let's go ahead and let it happen. Or doesn't that just naturally lead to, wait, we still may say yes, but we don't have enough information yet, and we're going to ask that we 
don't vote today, that we hold on until we see, first of all, is there going to be a referendum? There, it's going to get on the ballot or it's not. And if it does, what are the odds that the voters of Nevada take away that $400 million in public funding? And if that's the case, who's paying for this thing? Because yeah. they, they've said flat out, they're not coming to Vegas if they don't get this money. I mean, yeah, and this is, you know, it kind of shows you the one thing I think that Fisher is hoping for here is Major League Baseball has really pinned everything on you need public funding. So if he's got that public funding, he might very well have the votes there. And again, I wish I knew the internal politics in Major League Baseball. Um, but to your point, I mean, if this does go to the voters, there's a real chance there that voters are going to say no. Um, you know, we've already seen this play out before with the Legion Stadium. Legion Stadium was not terribly popular among normal Nevadans. I mean, everybody's super excited to have football here, just like we're super excited to have hockey here. We're, we're excited at the prospect of having baseball, but Nevadans are a little bit tired. We've got bad schools in this state. We've got a lot of unfunded uh, needs that are elsewhere. People sit there and look at it and say, do we really need to give $400 million to another Oakland team in order to get them here. So mm -hmm. so that would be a real threat. And I think Major League Baseball is probably politically savvy enough to know that that would be a real threat. Uh, so so depending on what the judge does, I'm sure would impact Major League Baseball. Also, to your point, it seems like if MLB was really excited about bringing a team to Nevada, why not an expansion team? Why not kind of take the blueprint of what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did in hockey and replicate that, it could be a huge success and potentially far more successful than just moving the A's to a new city. Well, plus you get a, you get an expansion fee that's paid to be able to have the right to bring a team here. Whoever that new owner is going to be or the group, they have to pay money to be able to play, so to speak. And that money gets divided amongst the other owners. In this case, not only is there no expansion fee, but Manfred's already on record as saying he doesn't think that there's going to be a relocation fee assessed to John Fisher. And the reason why is because, well, because he can't afford it. Right. Right. Oh, come on. But he's going to be able to afford a $1.5 billion stadium. Clearly. That's probably going to cost 2.5, but whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, uh, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of business sense, which again is why there's got to be some internal politics there. Um, and I imagine much of it is along the same lines as, as the politics that happened actually in the legislature where for whatever reason, Fisher's been able to get people very excited, even though there are no details, even though there's no real promise that this is actually going to play out the way that he says it will. And if you go back and watch that, votes that looked certainly like they were going to be no's became yeses in about 48 hours. And you have to wonder, you know, well, we already know there were other things included in the bill to sort of get that scooted through. And that's your, that's your ballpark. And you know what? I hope as we get as we work our way through this, Michael, that anything that sort of starts to smell like politics, we can get you back on to speak to, because I know that's something that you've made uh, part of your life. And, and I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm definitely not the political guy. So I would lean on somebody like you to explain to me how that happens. The back rooms just must be amazing, is all yeah, I got to say. I, yeah. yeah, whether you're talking about this or any other piece of legislation, it is politics is dirty for a reason. There's a reason why nobody likes it. Um, yeah. and, and it definitely shows when you start talking about some of these stadium subsidies deals, uh, especially in the last legislative session, 
there was a lot of backroom deals and, and usually on little things that weren't even related to the stadium necessarily just to get some people to say yes uh they were using it as leverage to get what they wanted not because they were fundamentally opposed to the idea in the first place right well um the residual effect on a las vegas resident if you live here how does this change your life moving forward do you have any any ideas or thoughts on that well, assuming that this moves forward, um, I would say that construction is going to be a nightmare. But honestly, anybody who's been to Vegas recently, you know that we've got all the F1 stuff going on. It's already a nightmare. That can't be, honestly, it can't get too much worse. Um, the biggest thing is, and, and if you're a resident, you're not going to feel this directly at first. But this is kind of what that schools over stadiums group is talking about. It's going to be a big hole in the budget uh, for, for the county and for the state. Uh, you're talking about no property taxes at that site for 30 years. We're not going to be collecting rent from the team for 30 years. Uh, transferable tax credits to the tune of $120 million, I think. Um, you add all that up. That is a lot of missed opportunity, given that currently there's a hotel that sits there that pays resort fees and gambling taxes and everything sure. else. So, you know, it might not be so hard that normal people going about your life will really think about it. But I can guarantee you that they'll start to think about it if all of a sudden the county says, hey, we're kind of in the red right now. We need to raise these other taxes. And, right. and that's the reason why groups like Berkeley Economic Review all the way to you know, the Cato Institute or fill in the blank along the political spectrum. They've all said these ultimately end up being a bad idea, really, regardless of where they're built or, or what team they are. And especially maybe more where you've got the kind of local economy that we have here that's so reliant upon uh, other things that have nothing to do with anybody who lives here. Tourism is everything. And so if you're saying you can't collect a penny on all of that tourist activity, and I think that was the thing that uh, Donato was really pushing for. He kept asking Dave Cavill, well, are you going to be willing to pay that, that tax if indeed we approve this? And yeah. he finally said, well, no, we're not. Yeah, we're, yeah we want a free ride. So yeah. and, that, and that does affect you if you live here. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a that's a dangerous precedent to set. I mean, if you were a Las Vegas resident, that's something that should worry you because not only are you talking about, okay, all the missed economic, or I mean, all the missed revenue uh, going to the state, but we're setting the precedent of telling somebody, hey, you want to build something on the Las Vegas Strip, we'll subsidize part of it. Uh, you know, think about the strip, all of that that is built there. It is magnificent. It's amazing. It's a huge economic driver for the state. It previously has all been privately funded with the exception yeah. of a couple of little convention things here and there. Uh, and so that's a bad precedent because if I'm a developer, why am I going to go to the strip, build my brand new resort or my brand new, uh, you know, attraction without some sort of public funding if all it takes they, is going to the legislature and saying hey i promise this will bring in some economic activity where's my handout that's a great point and even for a guy who's not too political i actually followed it all the way through so you know. <laughs> there we go. well uh michael schaus now you're in you're in the uh, in the branding biz which i love so if, if people have a a business or if they've started uh, something on their own that they want to be able to get their message across in a good way you sort of were explaining to me you kind of fell into this, but now you're getting client after client who are realizing that you're able to help them. Look, you got all this experience. So how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is you can go to schauscreative.com. And I understand my last name is German, so it's hard to spell, but it's S-C-H-A-U-S creative.com. And you'll see 
kind of everything we do, we help you tell your story to the world uh, and especially to the people that are going to matter to you, which is the audience that you want to hit. So shousecreative.com is the best place to find out a little bit more about me. I also obviously have a newsletter there if you want to read more about what I write. And I write regularly in the Nevada Independent if you're interested in that kind of quasi-political stuff that I do as well. Well, I think the Nevada Independent has done the the best job of being able to continue to keep us up to date on this story all the way through and uh, pieces like yours that just ran uh, over the weekend. Again, you got to grab that and read that if you because you want to get into the details that we haven't even covered here. Uh, they're in that that piece. And I hope you'll keep doing what you do, Michael. I'm so glad to have met you. And you got an open invite to come back here. And I hope that you'll do that anytime you can and Locked on A's. Yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. And hopefully as this goes forward, we'll be talking a little bit more. Got a feeling we will be. Michael Schaus, our guest today on Locked on A's. And if you are an everydayer, thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate that. Comments down below. You get us on Twitter. Our handle is at Locked on A's. Uh, do it that way. And we'll be back here, of course, every day. It's what we do on Locked on A's. And until next time, I'm Wayne Coy. You keep on swinging.